0: Open your Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Now, isn't it amazing? It's amazing when we consider, as I mentioned in Sunday school, that God saves unworthy sinners such as we. That's amazing in itself. That's absolutely amazing. That is Sister Kathy saying about that God, God himself purchased us with his blood. The Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, said that he purchased us. <clears throat> he gave his life for us. And it's amazing that he brings us to a place that he's ordained for the gospel to sound out, which is a local church, right? A church. And then, it's wonderful. We get to gather together with like-minded believers who are unworthy sinners just like us. And we get to gather together and have fellowship with one another. That's incredible all by itself, isn't it? That's absolutely amazing. But you know the purpose for this church? You know the whole purpose? Now, think of this. Out of the the purpose of this church, which is for the gospel to go forth, it's the whole reason this church is here. So that the gospel can go forth. But out of that, the blessing of that, we get to gather together. We get to be with one another. We get to partake in that work of the gospel going forth. Whether it be by support in the work or whether it be by prayer, we get to partake in that. God uses means, doesn't he? And the benefit and the blessing of, of being a part of this church is just our fellowship with one another. The love that we have for one another. It's absolutely amazing. Now again, the one thing, as I said in Sunday school this morning, the one thing that Satan counterfeit is the love of Christ in, in a believer and also the love that one believer has towards another believer. He can't counterfeit that. Donnie Bell told me a long time ago, he said, he said, Satan can't counterfeit the love of the brethren. He just can't. One thing he can't counterfeit because that's wrought in us by the Holy Spirit of God, isn't it? And I've only been with you guys for seven years and I know how I feel for you and how I love you, but I can't imagine that you guys have been together for, some of you have been together for 40, 50 years. That's amazing. What a blessing, what an honor for you guys to be together for that long in a church where the gospel is going forth, right? And to have these relationships that are going to last into eternity. Isn't that wonderful? All because of what Christ did. All because of what he's done. Nothing, nothing to do with us. It's just mercy. It's just grace. And you know what the, the Great Commission is, right? Christ said, and Jesus spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. He's got all power. Man think they have power. Christ got all power. Any power a man has, he's given it to them. Think of that. He just given just a little bit. Just a little bit. What what happens to we men? Well, we get like like my head in the picture, right? Get a little power, right? Whoa, man, look at me. Right? But, but Christ, Christ, he's, he's in charge. All power is given to him in heaven and in earth, in, in everything. He says, and then what does he tell us? Go ye therefore in the world, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things, whatsoever I have commanded you and lo I am with you always even unto the end of the world do you know he's right here in our midst today you say how can you say that well we're two or three gathered together in my name there am I in the midst he's right here with us you know he just said he'd be with us till the end of the world to the end of the age that's the end of the age and then we'll be with him after that he's with us till the end of the age and then after that we'll be with him forever all because of his grace and mercy. <clears throat> Acts says this, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the outermost parts of the earth. Every local church set up by God has a divine mandate. We have a divine mandate. You know what that is? The gospel going forth from here. The gospel going forth. We are, our whole existence is for the furtherance of the gospel. That's our whole existence in this church. Isn't that wonderful? And that's not even dependent upon us. Right? That's dependent upon the Lord, isn't it? My, oh, my. And now every one of us, we can say, well, this is our home church, isn't it? But it's God's church first and foremost, isn't it? But it's our home church. And we're thankful for it. But it's the Lord's work. What will happen if I drop dead tomorrow? God will just raise up another preacher for you? That's what he'll do. Work's not dependent upon me. It's dependent upon God, isn't it? Now, I hope he lets me live for, for a long while and be with you all, but... But I have no control, and you have no control the day that we die, do we? So if, if a preacher gets on his mind that the work's dependent upon him, he's in a, he's in a world of hurt. Not dependent upon me. I'm watching amazement at what God does with the church. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. But he says, go to the uttermost part, and here be with us, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Do you know this is an oasis in the desert? You know that whole world is like a desert? You know the gospel church is like an oasis? We're journeying through this world, aren't we? There's an oasis. Aren't you glad we have an oasis to come to? Aren't you glad we're not living in a part of the desert where there's no oasis? Where there's nowhere you can attend? It's all works-based religion. Aren't you thankful? But we got somewhere to come, don't we? And you can hear about the free grace of God in Christ. At salvation's of the Lord. And every local church set up by God is a place where God's gospel is proclaimed. Where the free grace of God is, is trumpeted from the pulpit. That salvation is in Christ, and him alone, plus absolutely nothing we do. Because that's the truth, isn't it? We all know that. We've been taught by God of that, that. That if a man adds anything to grace, then it's works. It's no longer grace. It's what the scripture declares in the book of Romans. And the fact that we are saved by Christ alone, and in his work of salvation accomplished at Calvary, based upon absolutely nothing in us and that there's nothing in us that would merit that salvation, that is the gospel that we preach. When Travis comes up, he preaches the same gospel as I preach. When preachers come in, they preach the same gospel that I preach. Salvation's in Christ and him alone. No other way. Neither is there salvation in any other because there's no other name under heaven whereby we we must be saved. No other name but Christ. And from, from a, a, a church... where the gospel goes forth... <clears throat> the preaching is the center. We don't do... I, I, I've been to places where they do 45 minutes of singing. Before the Lord saved me, I go to this place. They did 45 minutes of singing. Before the, before the message... 20-minute message and 45 more minutes of singing. You know what's the most important thing that comes forth from here? I love to sing. I love to sing with you. I, I sit there just rejoicing hearing, hearing you all sing, Come Thou Fount. It's one of my favorite songs. I just was rejoicing hearing you guys lift your voices up in praise. But the most important thing is this, the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what's most important right there. Christ and Him crucified. Christ, the only Savior of sinners. Christ, the God-man. That's the most important thing. He's the only way of salvation. <clears throat> in Paul's letter to Timothy, he says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know that how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Do you know this is the church of the living God right here? And you know the church isn't building, right? It's each one of us. The ecclesia, the called out assembly. Each of us washed by the precious blood of Christ. And you know what this is? This is the pillar and ground of truth. Right there, this book is the pillar and ground of truth. That's, that's, a, that's a fact, isn't it? You know, every believer is a witness for Christ. Every one of us, we're witnesses for Christ. Scripture says this, and the Lord was speaking to the apostles. He said, then said Jesus to them, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so i send you. Now, the Lord doesn't just save us and take us out, does he? Well, that would be wonderful, wouldn't that? Could you imagine that? That thief on the cross was so blessed. Now, he done enough sin know in his life, hadn't he? <clears throat> he done enough sin. One sin merits hell. Well, he, he's a condemned man. But think of this. The Lord saved him, and he just went right home after he died. Woo! My! But the Lord leaves us in this world, doesn't he? He leaves us in this world to toil. To live in this world. And every sent preacher of God is commissioned by God and sent to where he is to be. I was sent here by God to Almont, Michigan. Took a little time, didn't it? That was God's timing, wasn't it? That was God's timing. But I was sent here by God and kept here by God. Right? And that's how it is. God sends his preachers to where he wills to send them. And what, what am I sent here to do? To preach the gospel to you. That's what I'm sent here to do. To preach the gospel. To be your pastor. To, to cry with you when we're crying. To rejoice with you when we rejoice. I'm a fellow soldier with you. Tom, you were in the military. You're, when you have a platoon of men, you're a unit. You're together. Now, you were leading them, but you're still, they're they're your brothers. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Set to this place right here in Elmont, Michigan. Commissioned by God. And this is an oasis that we can come to when we go out in the world for the week, right? Out into the desert. And then we come in here. That's why it's so wonderful to come to church and hear the gospel preached. Because we get so much anti-God out in the world. And we come in here. And oh my. We get to hear about he who is the refuge of our souls. The Lord Jesus Christ. My oh my. And God's preachers are are saved men. Just like anyone else. Who the Lord saves. There's no, no difference between me and you. There's no... I've told you guys many times, there's no preacher mound at the foot of the cross. It's all level. We're all standing there going, oh, Lord, you saved my soul. This is wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. My, oh, my. Look what God's done for us. And every believer, we, we're a witness for Christ. And when we get the opportunity, we don't, we don't... We don't have to break doors down. And when we get the opportunity, though, for, for the Lord allows us to tell, tell even our family members or, or friends the great things that God done for us, then we just tell them, God, save my soul. Flee to him. He's the only savior of sinners. He's the only one. And it's wonderful. And think of this. We're all born again by the same spirit, aren't we? We have the same Father. We have the same Savior. We now cry, "I've a Father to God," when we never did before. And whose name do we pray, whose name do we pray in? Christ, you see? He gets all the preeminence. Used to be all about us at one time, wasn't it? The world is all about themselves. You see it all the time, but we are here for the furtherance of the gospel. We come here to be, hear the gospel to be built up by Christ, right? Because if you just hear my words, they're not going to do any any good for you, but if the Holy Spirit takes them and, and comforts your heart with them, right? Which is what he does. That's amazing in itself. That that an unworthy sinner like me can get up and proclaim the gospel and Christ takes it and blesses your hearts with it. That's amazing. My oh my, it's absolutely amazing. Turn again to Acts chapter 13. That's a long introduction for us, but that's okay. So our business, our goal, our occupation here in this world is to seek the Lord's sheep. To send the gospel forth. As Henry used to say, we're on the trail of God's sheep. Out goes the message. Out goes the message. That's why we support the work, and, and that's why we rejoice in what Christ has done for us. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. The gospel's going forth into the world. Now let's read here. With that on our minds, let's let's look and see what Paul and Barnabas. You know, Paul and Barnabas were set apart by the Holy Spirit of God. (laughs) Every one of us is set apart from this world. Every one of us. We're set apart by God, sanctified, set apart, made holy. By God. That's what that means. Isn't that amazing? But you know, we're going to see here that Paul... And Barnabas are set apart by the Holy Spirit to preach to the Gentiles. Look at this, Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simon, who was called Nagar and Lucius of Cyrene and Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul. Sorry. Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work wherein I have called them. They have a specific work to do. Think of that with gospel preachers. We're sent to places for a specific work, beloved. Isn't that wonderful? I rejoice in that, that God sent me here to be with you. Part of the blessing of being with you is I love you all now, and our hearts are knit together. Isn't that wonderful? But we are, we are as, a, as a group, set apart here in, in Elmont, Michigan. For the furtherance of the gospel, beloved. Oh, this is wonderful. Look what he says. And notice he's saying this. It's the Holy Ghost saying this. He's fully God, too. Remember that. The Holy Ghost says, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Off they went. Go and do the Lord's will. Go, 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 go! Preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Go on. Isn't that wonderful? There you go. Who's sending them? Holy Spirit of God. Right? <laughs> oh, it's amazing. <laughs> do you think the Holy Spirit's going to be thwarted in what he what he intends them to do? Nope, not at all. Right? No man's going to say, well. Paul you don't have the authority to preach look at what we're seeing in Galatians Paul goes up to them up to Jerusalem to them apostles and they say you're preaching the same gospel we're preaching here's the right hand of fellowship brethren go and preach to the Gentiles oh my so if God's equipped a man like Paul he's equipped Paul right to preach to the Gentiles He's called him to preach to the Gentiles. Now we're seeing he's sent to preach to the Gentiles. Was he thwarted? Was the Holy Spirit's will thwarted in this? Nope. What Paul do? He went and preached to the Gentiles, didn't he? <laughs> All by the will and purpose of God the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? We are right where God wants us right now. Isn't that incredible? That's amazing. That's truly amazing. And they're sent, Paul and Barnabas are sent, what? To preach Christ, to preach salvation in him alone, to preach that it's his precious blood that's ransomed our souls, purchased our eternal souls, that sinners can have all their sins forgiven in Christ Jesus and him alone. Remember? Remember that old Philippian jailer? What must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's the message I preach. Believe on Christ and thou shalt be saved. Saved. If you don't trust Christ, you're going to perish in your sins and go, go to hell forever. My. As one preacher I was listening to, John Mitchell this week, you're going to go to a devil's hell for eternity. But if you believe on Christ, if you believe on Him, if you trust Him with your eternal soul, you'll be with Him forever. And all your sins are forgiven. When? Right now on this earth. Right now. I'm looking at a bunch of people who've been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. Those of you who are trusting in Him, I'm looking at you. You're washed under the blood, all your sins are forgiven. Hallelujah, right? Isn't it wonderful? It's wonderful. I'll tell you what. It's absolutely wonderful. Oh, my. All because of what Christ done. My. And notice how the Holy Spirit here, he's speaking in an authoritative way, isn't he? He's, just say, he's not saying, well, you know, I think I'm going to separate Paul and Barnabas. And I think that they maybe if, if they let me send them, I'm going to send them to the Gentiles. No. Separate me, Paul and Barnabas. Right? Separate them. For the work whereunto I have called them. And then they're sent. Then they're sent. Oh, my. And he noticed this here, too. He doesn't doesn't say set them apart for for the work God hath called them to, or set them apart for the work that the Lord had called them to, he says, set them apart for the work I called them to. See, the three are one, beloved. They're all in agreement. They're all in agreement. Isn't that wonderful? God the Holy Spirit is as much God as the Father. You don't hear that preached a whole lot anymore, but it's true. The three are one. The three are one. The Lord Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. So God, the Holy Spirit, ordained Paul, and we know God the Father has, and we know the Lord Jesus Christ has, ordained Paul to go and preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And he did it, didn't he? And the gospel spread like wildfire. You know why? Because Paul, Paul, he plants in Apollo's waters. But it's God who gives the increase. It's God who gives the increase. That's why. Nothing Paul and Barnabas did. All they're doing is just sowing that seed, right? Casting that seed now. Oh, praise God, some fell on good ground. And you know what? They probably cast some seed and, and left some places and never saw those people again. In that seed, where it was ordained to fall on good ground, why is it good ground opposed to stony ground? Because of God, amen, sister. Because of God. God's prepared that ground to receive that seed, to receive that seed. Oh my, it's wonderful. Now let's continue reading in Acts chapter 13. Let's continue reading down to verse 12. So they being sent by forth, look at that by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Sicila and from thence to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had all, and they had also John to their minister. So, what are they? Everywhere they're going, what are they doing? They're preaching gospel. They're preaching the gospel. They're not. They're not preaching how to be a better Christian. Right? How to transform your, form your life in fifty ways? They're not. They're not talking about anything like that. They're talking about Christ. It's wonderful. They preached the word of God. And when they had gone through into the Isles of Pathos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was bar which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for <laughs> Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. Now here, Now here's a sinner. Here's a sinner desiring to hear the word of God. He desires to hear it, doesn't he? So much so that he calls for, for Paul and Barnabas. Now you see there, a seeking sinner, right? But before there was ever a seeking sinner, there's a seeking Savior. <laughs> God's done something to this man. And we're going to find out. How, uh, you say, how can you say that? Well, let's just keep reading. We're going to find out. But Elamus, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them seeking To turn away the deputy from the faith. That's what false prophets always do. They always try to turn people away from Christ. Even if they're preaching Christ with works. They're still. they're, They're trying to preach. Turn people away from the true and living God. Which is salvation in and through Christ alone. Plus absolutely nothing we do. They're always trying to turn. People away from the preaching of the gospel. Well. God's greater than them, isn't he? Look at this. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, Oh, full of subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness. He called him an enemy of God because who's the Lord our righteousness, isn't he? Our king. He's called the Lord our righteousness. He says, thou enemy of righteousness. Look at that. Wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? What, What have we been learning in our study in Galatians in Sunday school? That the false prophets perverted the word of God, didn't they? They perverted the gospel by adding circumcision to be saved along with Christ. So Paul's telling this guy, he's just a false prophet. And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately, look at this. The Lord doesn't mess around, does he? This is just a little picture of God's judgment falling. Oh, for those who do not know Christ and die in their sins. Oh, my. Look at this, though. And thou shalt be blind, not seeing for a the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist in the darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy saw what was done. Believe. <laughs> He's like, oh man, I believe in the Lord. Because they'd already spoken to him the gospel. Because this this man, this man had opposed it. Right? We can see that. That, that he sought the, he withstood them, seeking to turn them away from the faith. He's like, quiet, quiet. But they kept preaching, probably. Right? Faith cometh by hearing and what? In hearing by the word of God, right? How shall they hear without a preacher? Well, Paul was preaching the gospel. Look at that. And they went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. See, the doctrine of the Lord, so he heard the gospel. He wasn't just astonished at what had happened to them, but he was astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Salvation in Christ alone. Salvation by the free grace of God. That God would have mercy on undeserving sinners such as we. See, God, that that seed, what did it do? It fell on good ground, didn't it? It fell on good ground, beloved. It fell on prepared ground. Lord had already tilled the soil of his heart. And he received that seed, didn't he? Oh, it's all the work of God too, right? Now Paul planted. Barnabas might have watered, but it's God who gave the increase. (laughs) It's wonderful, beloved. He gets all the glory. So marvel at this wonderful fact that God leaves us in this world until the time of his choosing. And then he takes us home to glory. And while we're on this earth, he equips us. For his service. And the reason for leaving on us in this world is that we are monuments of his grace, monuments of his mercy. To tell the great things the Lord had done for us. He's placed us in this part of the vineyard to serve him. Norm Wells, when I when the Lord moved me from Oregon to here, he said, Lord's just moving you to another portion of his vineyard, Wayne. That's all he's doing. He's taking you from this portion of the vineyard, and he's moving you over there. Isn't it wonderful? It's all he's doing. And, and I preach the same message here as I preached out West. <laughs> Salvation in Christ alone. Turn with me, if you would, to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. You see, the whole reason we're here, too, is to glorify God, right? The reason this work is here is for the gospel to go forth. And then the reason we're here is to glorify God. And to enjoy him forever. Don't forget that. Enjoy God. Enjoy God, beloved. Enjoy who he is. Enjoy the fact that he saved our souls. Enjoy that. Rejoice. It's wondrous. He didn't have to. But he did. Because it pleased him to do so. So enjoy that. Marvel at it. Marvel at it. The fact that we're saved, unworthy sinners. Marvel at that. Think about that this week. Rejoice. Look at this in Colossians chapter 1, verses 10 to 14. Here's this wonderful truth brought forth before us. That ye ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful to every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. And that's why we, we come, we hear the gospel. And little by little, we increase in the knowledge of God. In the knowledge of God, excuse me. You ever, how many times have we heard a preacher get up and preach something and you go, I never saw that. Never saw that, till now. Well, God's pleased to reveal it to you now. And then have you, have you noticed too that as you look back and you can, you can see and you think, wow, look what the Lord's done for me. Look what he carried me through. Look how wonderful he is. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. See, we're we're weak. We're so weak, we can't do nothing. Without him, he said, without me, you can do nothing in John 15. Without me, you can do nothing. That's I, I've learned that. Have you learned that? It's amazing. I've learned that. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, the, the verse 11, right? Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience, long-suffering, and joyfulness. As we go through this world, we endure things that that grow our patience. Sometimes we endure with long-suffering. But look what he says, with joyfulness. We We can rejoice in the worst situation because God saved us. He's redeemed our souls giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son in whom we have redemption. How? Through his blood. The giving of his life. Through his shed blood. Even the forgiveness of sins. Look at that. So we have, we've been redeemed which, oh my, that's wonderful. And we also have all the forgiveness of our sins. Hallelujah see the Greek word for meat there in verse 12 giving thanks unto the father which hath made us meat to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life do you know what that, that verse means sufficient to make sufficient to render complete or to render competent or worthy do you know that we are made fit right now for heaven but we're sinners yeah but we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ isn't it wonderful it's wonderful because of his righteousness, because of what he's done, we're already fit for heaven. We who are the blood-washed, born-again saints of God, we're fit right now. Oh, it's wonderful. Every believer in Christ, praise be to God, is made fit for heaven. We're completely forgiven of all our sin, everyone. I was sitting on my bed there the other day, sitting on the edge of the bed, and the Lord bought something in my memory that happened to me 30 years ago. And I said, "Lord, I know You've forgiven me for this, but I'm going to ask for forgiveness again. I know I'm washed in Your blood, but I'm going to confess that, right? And then you know it came to my heart. I remember Your sins no more. My, I remembered it. It's gone. It's gone." Isn't it amazing how the Lord, this is what I mean with the scripture, how the Lord speaks to us through his word. There was no audible voice or nothing like that. It was a scripture that I had read, right, that he, that he put in my heart, and that came forth. It's his truth. You know, none of us have a hotline to heaven. None of us have a, you know, these charismatics. Well, God told me. Well, it wasn't God that told you. I'm telling you that. It wasn't God that told you that. Oh, my. So we're made fit, beloved. We're already made fit for heaven. We're born again by the Holy Spirit of God. We're clothed in the perfect, spotless righteousness of Christ. Some may ask, and why did God choose to leave us in this world then? Why did God choose to leave us in this body of flesh? Well, our great God is ordained and chosen to to use saved sinners to carry the gospel to other sinners. We're here for the furtherance of the gospel, beloved. That gospel goes out from here. It's downloaded by other sinners, and we don't have a clue. I'm glad we don't know. We don't have a clue what God's doing with. But we know, as you always say, brother Dave, that His Word will not return on us Him void. Never, never. It's accomplishing something, isn't it? It's accomplishing something, beloved. And we rejoice. That's wonderful. Listen to what Jack Shanks said this about Acts 13 here. He said, The Holy Spirit has recorded for our learning the beginning of world evangelism. In this chapter, God's eternal purpose that the gospel be preached in all the world began to be fulfilled. Prior to this, the center of the church was at Jerusalem. So that was the center of the church. From this point forward in the book of Acts, it is the Gentile city of Antioch. So Antioch now becomes the center of the church. Prior to this, the primary spokesman was Peter, right? The apostle of the circumcision. From this point on, it's Paul, the apostle of the uncircumcision. He goes on to say, prior to this, the gospel has been preached basically to the Jews only. From this point on, it's to be preached to the Gentiles. Prior to this... The church was still bound with many of the fetters of Jewish legal worship. From this point forward, the chains of bondage are completely broken. Hallelujah. They're broken. They're broken, beloved. They're broken. Stand fast, Paul wrote. Stand fast in the liberty, the freedom. Wherewith Christ has made you free. Be not again entangled with the yoke of bondage. Don't be entangled with man's works. Don't ever let yourself be entangled, beloved, with man's works. Now, I'd like us to consider seven things. It'd be quick. Seven things. Seven things about the work to which God has called us here in Elmont, Michigan. The first point is God has an elect people whom He has determined to save in every part of the world. He has. He has a people from every tribe, kindred, tongue, and nation. I was in a Zoom meeting with uh, Norm Wells. Watching his guest preacher there, uh, Brother Bill, and and there was a lady in there from Japan, and I thought, there it is. God got people all over the world, beloved. He got people all over the world. It's amazing. All over. You got you got Lance down in Papua New Guinea. Got brethren all over there. Every single place in this world, God got a people. Or or there's been a people saved from that country. Out of every tribe, kindred, tongue, and nation. Any and I are proof that Canadians can be saved, right? Yeah, there's hope for everyone in there. Right? No, but it's it's, out of every tribe, kindred, tongue, and nation, right? My... It's wonderful. So God has a people all over the world. He's determined to save a people. We don't know who they are, so we preach the gospel to everyone, right? Everyone. It was never God's intention or desire or will or purpose that the gospel of grace would be only preached among the Gentiles. It was never so. When I was in dispensationalism, when I, I, I used to always say to people, "Well, well, God, God." Uh, Brought salvation to the Jews. And they rejected it. And so now it goes to the Gentiles. Like oh you got to go to plan B now. It was never so. You and I are living proof. Every one of us here. Are Gentile descent. We're proof. That God has a people. Among the Gentiles. Isn't that wonderful? It's absolutely wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful, isn't it? Wonderful. My, oh my. There are some people who God will be gracious to. There are some people who must be saved. Why? Because God's purposed it to be so. And that includes us. You marvel at that. God purposed us to be saved. Brother Brian, we talk about that all the time. It's amazing, isn't it? God purposed me to be saved. Yeah. God purposed you to be saved. Yeah. If you're a believer, yeah, he purposed that. He planned it. He sent you to a place where you hear the gospel. And Praise be to God, you were given ears to ear, born again by the Holy Spirit of God. It's wonderful. He's got the elect all scattered through this world. And remember that the true Israel of God is the church. It's the elect. It's the elect of God. So all those promises in the Old Testament, you know who they're for? Us. Isn't that wonderful? We're unworthy sinners. (laughs) They're all for us, beloved. Oh, I love it. I love it. The scriptures, the word of God, plainly brings forth that God's elective purpose has never been limited to a singular race or a class of men. Because as we saw in Galatians study this morning, God's no respecter of persons, is he? Out of every tribe, kindred, tongue, and nation. What do we all have in common? Out of every tribe, kindred, tongue, and nation when we get home? Worthy is the Lamb. Oh, worthy is him. Oh, he shed his blood for us. Hallelujah. He died for me. He died for me. And his purpose of grace includes people from every, every part of this world. Jews and Gentile, rich and poor, male and female. My, it all has to do with him. Listen to this in Genesis. It says, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemies. And thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. Remember, this is God speaking to Abraham, wasn't He? Because who who would spring out of his seed? Christ. Christ. Because thou hast obeyed my voice. Oh, it's wonderful, beloved. Absolutely wonderful. Look down a little bit in our chapter that we're look look down in our chapter in, in chapter thirteen. Actually, first of all, I'll turn to Acts chapter twenty-six. And and we we'll see we we'll see here Paul, a saved sinner. See God uses God uses saved sinners to proclaim the gospel to other saved sinners or other lost sinners. Look at this in Acts chapter twenty-six. Look what he's Paul's preaching to the king Agrippa, an unsaved sinner. Look at verse thirteen of Acts chapter twenty-six, and we'll read the verse eighteen. At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven, he's, he's giving his testimony, above the brightness of the sun shining round about me, and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in, in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Is it hard for thee to kick against the prick? So he's persecuting God's people, but the Lord Jesus Christ here says, you're persecuting me. Remember, he's the head and we're the body. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and, rise and stand up upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of these things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee. Look at that. He's sending Christ is sending him to the Gentiles. Now, for the Jews, that was so foreign, That salvation would be, would go to the Gentiles too? The dogs? Hey, praise God. Right? (laughs) Oh, it's wonderful. Deliver indeed from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom thou send thee to open their eyes. Look at that. And to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they might receive the forgiveness of sins and the inheritance among them which are sanctified, set apart by faith that is in me. Oh my. And then look in our, our text, Acts 13, look a little further down in that chapter. i just have you turn back to Acts 13. Look a little further down there. And God saves his people. I'll tell you why. He saves whom he wills. He, sa- he saves whom he's ordained to save. You know this. But when the Jews, verse 45 to 49, but when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. And spake against these things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. There's, there's, uh, there's the false, false uh, teachers there again, just going against the gospel. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said it, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, being the Jews, but seeing you put it away from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. That was always God's purpose, wasn't it? What did the Gentiles do? Look at this. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation to the ends of the earth. (laughs) Look at this. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad. Oh, it's not just for the Jews. Because that's what they thought, too. It's not just for the Jews. This this wonderful salvation in Christ is not just for the Jews, it's for us. It's for us, too. And look at this. And they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Look at that. Isn't that wonderful? That's absolutely wonderful. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. Out it went. Out went the gospel. Out it went. The second point I'd like us to consider is that the instrument by which God accomplishes his purpose of grace in this world is his church. God's purpose of grace is accomplished through his church. The church of Christ is separated and called of God unto a work of what? Proclaiming the gospel, the furtherance of the gospel. Throughout history, men have attempted to bypass the church and do the work of evangelism outside and apart from the church, but God's work must be done in God's prescribed way, right? He has set set that that the preaching of the word will go forth from from a group, from, from a church, right? It's amazing. No organization can replace the church. No one else can or should do the work that God has called us to do. The work of evangelism cannot be done by, by any other means than the preaching of the gospel. I'm evangelizing right now as I preach the gospel. As this gospel goes forth, it's evangelism. Or it goes into the world, beloved. Bragging on Christ. And the church of the living God is the pillar and truth, the preserver of truth, the proclaimer of truth. We are stewards. Do you know, we, we, have been, we are stewards of the gospel. We, it's, it's been entrusted to us, beloved. That's why we take, I take preaching the gospel so serious. It's been entrusted to all of us here at this work. Not just to me to proclaim it, but to all of us as a group. Wonderful. Stewards of the mysteries of God. The third point is the Lord God always raises up preachers within his church sufficient to accomplish his purpose of grace. God is the one who raises up his preacher. I didn't say, well, I'm, I'm going to decide I want to be a preacher. I was doing evangelism. I was doing that. I loved doing that. It was, it was marvelous. Never thought I'd be a pastor. Never thought I'd ever be called the pastor of church. Here. Here I am. It's God who's made me a preacher. I I didn't make myself a preacher. He made me a preacher. He equipped me, just like He equips all of us. He bought me here. He bought you all here by His His. Isn't it wonderful? And here we are, rejoicing in the great things that Christ has done for us. And out goes the gospel, beloved, from this place. Out it goes. Out it goes. Look at this. We see this actually brought forth in our text. Acts 13, verse 2 to 5. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate separate me, Barnabas, and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Cecilia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at... Samalites, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had also John to minister. So, there it goes. Sometimes we think there's not many preaching the gospel. Sometimes we can get caught up in that. Oh, there's not many preaching the gospel. But never forget that, that God has sent his preachers to specific places to preach the gospel. And there's always the exact amount of preachers that God's ordained. Right? There's other people in this world preaching the gospel. We don't know them, but I I guarantee you there are. I guarantee you there are. (laughs) We may never hear of them, but we're going to meet them in glory. We're going to meet them in glory, beloved. It's wonderful. There's five things that are true of all gospel preachers. They are called of God. They are recognized by the Church of God as men gifted and called to the work of the ministry. They are separated unto the work of the gospel. They are filled with and led by the Spirit of God. And they preach the word of God faithfully. They proclaim Christ. That's how you can tell. The fourth thing is the preaching of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit is always effectual. Always remember that. That the preaching of the gospel is never in vain. It's never in vain, beloved. I do not labor in vain. I I do not labor in vain. God is using the word as it goes forth. He's using it in your hearts. And he's using it as it goes forth out into the internet. Now, I have no confidence in myself, none at all. But my confidence is in Christ. It's he who strengthens me. It's he who leads me to text to preach the gospel. It's he who puts on my heart. And I'm just amazed in my study. I'm reading stuff, going, "Oh, this is wonderful! <laughs> this is this is so wonderful!" Look at Second Corinthians. Turn if you would to Second Corinthians. We are see here that it's always effectual. Paul writes this in Second Corinthians chapter two. Second Corinthians chapter two. God's, God's preachers don't labor in vain. His word will not return unto the void. Some believe and some do not believe when the gospel is preached. But but God is honored, isn't he? When the gospel is preached. And his will and purpose will be accomplished, no matter what. Look at this in Second Corinthians 4, two, verses fourteen to seventeen. Now thanks to be to God which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Look at that. We always triumph in Christ, beloved, no matter what the circumstances are. And make it manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savior of, Christ, savior of Christ, in them that are saved, and in them that perish. To the one we are the Savior of death, unto death, and to the other the Savior of life, unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity... But as of God, in the sight of God, speak we Christ. I'll tell you why, when I talk to my preacher brothers, we always say this, who's sufficient? I'm not sufficient. See, God makes the preacher, beloved. God enables us to preach. We're not sufficient to do these things. I've talked to Noam about this, talked to Donnie about this, talked to several other preachers. We all, we're not sufficient. Bruce, we're not sufficient. But, but God, God's able. He's given us a a word to speak. (laughs) Salvation in Christ alone. The fifth thing is, God's ordained means for the saving of his elect is the preaching of the gospel. That's a fact, isn't it? Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 10. This is, I had, I had, oh, I got two more points after this, yeah. I got two more, but I'm almost done. These are little points. Turn out, Romans chapter 10. God's method of grace is, he who has chosen to save them that believe by the foolishness of preaching. Romans chapter 10, verses 13 to 17. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, period. You call upon the name of the Lord, Scripture says here, you would be saved. Isn't that wonderful? That's wonderful. How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? So that's all of us in our natural state, right? We don't believe And how shall they believe on him of whom they have not heard? See, I'd never heard of the God of the Bible, so I'd never believed on him before. And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach? This is now speaking of we preachers. Except they be sent. We're sent by God. To, To what? To preach Christ. That's it. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things! Well, what's the good things? Salvation in Christ alone, through His precious shed blood alone, by His work and His merit alone, to unworthy sinners. Oh, praise God! But they have not obeyed. they, they have not obe- all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, "Lord, who hath believed our report?" that you know, old Isaiah the prophet, he writes, says, Lord, who's believed our report? What's the report? The gospel. Salvation in Christ alone. By the free grace of God alone. So then faith cometh by how? By hearing? And hearing by the word of God. Look at that. Isn't that wonderful? So God has ordained means, hasn't he? The preaching of the gospel. He uses the foolishness of preaching. To save sinners. Six. Faithful witnesses will meet with much opposition. And suffer painful disappointments in this world. We as a church. We will go through things. That's what that's bringing forth. We're going to go through things. We will. Just as Paul and Barnabas made opposition. We will be opposed by false prophets. And false religion. Sometimes we may even be disappointed by our brethren. Right? We may be. Men of sinful flesh. Will always disappoint. One another. We we'll always remember that. When just just that that'll let, allow us to have compassion with each other. We are of sinful flesh, right? We're always going to let each other down some way. We don't try to, but we will. We will. Let us have compassion on on people. Let they have compassion on one another. Remember John Mark. He let Paul down, didn't he? So much so that Paul said, "I do not want him to come with me." But later on, he's, it, later on, down the road, years later, he says, send him, send Mark to me, send, send him to me. He's a blessing to my soul. Oh, my. And last, the purpose of God and the cause of Christ will all, will triumph at the end. We are here for the furtherance of the gospel, Beloved to trumpet the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ forth from here, to send it out into the world and let God do with it whatever he's pleased to do. And you know what? Christ will be triumphant. He will be triumphant. Listen to this. He says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. They won't resist him. Because they're made willing by the Holy Spirit in the day of God's power. Born again. And he said, in him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. God says to his people, I'm never going to cast you away. I'm never going to turn you away. Never. My! Isn't that wonderful? He says, for I come down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will, which which has sent me, that of all those which he had given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. There it is. He, he's triumphant. He's triumphant. And, and those he raise up, that's you and I. Oh my, that's us. He's going to take us home. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Christ has ransomed us, beloved, with his own precious blood. Let us remember that when we take communion. That it's in whom whom you have trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Who did we believe in? Christ. In Christ alone.